Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 94. I had a great weekend in L.A., celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary with my wife, Rhiannon. We walked the pier, visited Norman's Rare Guitars, and ate a ton of good food. And one of the highlights was actually recording today's podcast episode with Gonzaga's own Josh Perkins. It was the first time that Rhiannon sat next to me during an interview. And after we stopped recording, the three of us just hung out for a while and talked about life. And as I get to know Josh better, I learned that he's way more than just a great player. He's also, and even more importantly, a great person. And now we've had some unbelievable point guards at GU over the last few decades, with John Stockton, of course, being the most notable player. But believe it or not, John is not the all-time leader in assists at Gonzaga. It's actually my man Josh Perkins. Think about that. In the history of Gonzaga basketball, no one has ever assisted their teammates more than Josh. And so today, I wanted to pick his brain on the mindset of a pass-first player and learn the drills and tricks he's added to his toolbox over his playing career. And so I asked him how he uses his eyes to talk to teammates and how he balances being creative and taking chances with taking care of the ball. And now my favorite thing about Josh is that he's not only great at assisting teammates on the court, he also serves his friends, family, teammates, and community off the court. Here's Josh Perkins. My guy, welcome to the Hoop Commitment Podcast. How you doing? Hey, man, I can't complain. Life's good. Sun is shining, man, so I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. You lit up my day when you were back in Spokane. It's so good to have all the old zags come back in the gym. And I'd love to find out what have you been doing since you left Gonzaga? Okay, so I went to uh, training camp with the Hornets. Um, did preseason NBA deal with the Hornets. Stuck with them, went to the G League for two and a half months with the Greensboro Swarm. And then I got traded to the Texas Legends, uh, which is the Mavericks G League affiliate. Um, and then I played with them four or five games and then COVID happened. So then obviously we had that break, you know, in life and in the world. And then I uh, got an opportunity to go play in Poland. So I went there early August and then I got traded to Serbia with a team called Partizan the first couple of days of January. And then I was there until June, middle of June. So then since then, you know, I stopped in Spokane, saw my brothers, you know, Rui, Brian in, in Miami. So I've been uh, Silas, Eric in Spokane. So just, you know, just connecting to the roots, man, and seeing all my people once I, you know, got back home and trying to see my people. You know, I was gone for 11 months. So I, yeah, I missed them big time. How was the mindset of, being such a star at Gonzaga, being one of the best players in the nation, and then having to start back over and battle for a spot on a team, you know, not sure if you're going to be in the league or in the G League or overseas. Did that shake your confidence at all? I wouldn't say it shook my confidence, but it kind of made me stumble a little bit, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm always confident in myself and I'm always confident in my abilities, but I think I was just unsure of my role where I was supposed to be athletically at the time. 
Yeah, so to answer your question, I think I was good, you know, on the court, but I felt like I wasn't performing how I was expecting myself to do on the court, so it kind of affected me off the court. I, I became, like, more shy, more standoffish, and I think that was a result of so, – so, yeah, yeah and no, to answer the question. It, it's kind of it's kind of confusing, I guess. <laughs> Wait, Josh Perkins, shy and standoffish? I don't – that, that doesn't seem like it goes in the same sentence. Right. It's like a, it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, I, I fell into a little area there then where I wasn't doing too well on the court. And I was battling you know, some injuries. And obviously, like you said, going from being such a utilized weapon to a I don't know type weapon, you know, kind of it shook me a little bit. But you know, that's why you work. You know, you, you're supposed to go through adversity, you know, to find yourself. So uh, I think I hit my adversity in my early pro career, you know, my first two years and. It didn't shake me. You know, if anything, it, you know, it folded me and molded me into who I am today. And, you know, I love who the person I'm becoming and I love uh, who I will be in the future. I love the idea of just as a journey. I, I got to play my first day back at Sunday Hoops with all the old guys. And it's amazing to see these 30 and 40 year olds still improving their game, still working on it, getting better, you know, in. It's not like now I'm a college basketball player or now I'm a pro and I'm as good as I'm ever going to be. What I've seen over the last 20 years are guys like you come back who are great players and keep on getting better and better and better. And not just physically more mature, but even mentally more mature. Tell me about going to those NBA you know, workouts. How good is that jump? You know, what, what's that jump like from college to the pros? Honestly, I feel, you know, specifically that, you know, talent-wise, it's not too much different. I think it's just like the understanding of the game, the IQ, I guess you could say. The physicality is obviously different. And uh, just the, the pace, it's a lot faster than people, you know, give credit to, you know. So I think those three things are the biggest, you know, difference for me. But I felt like, you know, I could obviously shoot at that level. You know, I obviously could dribble at that level, pass at that level. So I felt like I, I fit in, but it was just, you know, adjusting to the physicality, how fast everything was moving and how quick, you know, those guys make decisions. Because you don't really get time to think about it in the league. You know, it's just, it's kind of so fast. It's just an instinct kind of, but they understand it so deeply and thoroughly that like they're really good basketball players. And I don't think they get a lot of credit for how good they really are at the game. How does that work? Because it's funny. It's, it's almost like the paradox. It seems like the better you get, the more your game slows down. But at the same time, I've heard the game is so much faster. The ball moves faster. The decisions are quicker. So tell me about that paradox of slowing down at the same time the game's faster. Yeah, I think you I think you nailed it when you said, uh, I think as you, as you mature, as you grow up and you understand the game, that it just kind of slows down for you. But at the same time, your body is moving just as fast if that makes sense you know it's like I don't necessarily need to sprint right here but I could just use my pace and then I'm still where I needed to be rather than being exhausted and sprinting you know it's just like little little things like that that you don't really pay attention to that are so huge and in, in, in the professional level but yeah man it's it's crazy and like I think I'm finally getting back so I felt like there was a point going from high school to college it was the same kind of thing you know I felt like talent wise I was there but like I just couldn't believe how fast like the, the guys in front of me were making decisions and how it just made sense to them. It was kind of like me. It was like, I just did it instinctually and I didn't know why, but they did it and they understood why, you know? So doing that, it took me like a year, a couple months 
to really understand even like the Gonzaga system and understand the collegiate you know level of basketball. And I think once I figured that out, my even my game slowed down a little bit. I could, you know, make the one more pass. I could, you know, make the skip pass because I understood why and and when. And I think it's the same thing for this level. Like I struggled at first, and I wanted to just sprint. I'll dribble super fast and sprint, and I'm like, oh, slow, Josh, slow down. You know what I mean? Just slow down. You know. So then, I think now I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to figure out the the pace of, of the professional league, and uh, my understanding of the game is, is 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 where it needs to be for this level. So I think. Now, live and learn every day, man. I'm growing from my experiences and especially on the court. So I think with that mindset, you know, if I, if I get better every day, then I'll be really good at, at some point, hopefully, you know. <laughs> well, it was fun watching you play a couple of weeks ago because I did notice the a slower pace than I've seen you play at and a faster pace. It was kind of like watching you dribble the ball. It was like you were really relaxed and slow, like you were playing, like you were playing pickup, like it was it was like a lower tempo until you went to go move or shoot. Then it was even faster. So it almost seems like you've worked on the extremes a little more versus maybe some of the younger guys are always going at a fast pace. You really conserved your energy and it seemed like you were in slow motion until it was like the old Josh, which was dry pot by someone, you know, floater, finish at the rim. Exactly. So like understanding my game, I feel like I've always had one or the other, you know, I've always been either super slow and, methodical and I guess careless, you could say. But then there was a time where I'm just sprinting. I'm always at full speed. You know what I mean? So now I'm always at my best when I, you know, I'm really good at stopping and going. Like my quickness is what separates my game from a lot of people's, you know? So just understanding that, being able to start, go, start, go, start, go, be fast, be quick, be slow. I can do all that, change my pace. And that's like my niche. Mastering that, I've been trying to master that. But I will have to say I was a little bit out of shape out there. So the slowness was probably out of, you know, trying to conserve a little energy, you know, but, but no, nah, I've been really trying to master my pace and uh, figure out how I can be effective without, you know, using so much energy every single possession. Well, you have a couple uh, niches then because the one that you're most famous for in our parts is you are the all time leader in assists in the history of Gonzaga basketball. And most people would think that was a John Stockton thing. And he's up there. Mm-hmm. And he was actually beat out by my old teammate, Matt Santangelo, who is a hoop town legend, who I know you're, you're close friends with as well. Yeah. So yeah. it was a little bittersweet when I saw him in the crowd on the night you beat his record. He gave you a standing ovation. I saw a little tear welling up in his eye. Tell me about the mentality of a passer. First, of all, I got to shout out to, to Matty. You know, that's my guy, man. He's always looked out maybe from day one. That record doesn't exist without, you know, Big J or, or or Maddie. So they get a lot of credit, you know, to that record. But the mentality of a passer, it's crazy because a lot goes through my head, you know, throughout the possessions. I'm thinking about, like, who needs confidence? You know, who's in the right spot? Who makes shots at that spot? Who uh, Who's hot at the moment? Um, who needs the ball? Who's everything? Like, I'm aware of everything, you know, as I dribble the ball up the court. I'm like, you know, I, I know everything that's going on. I'm trying to think what my teammates are thinking before the play starts. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's what starts for me is I know my guys' strengths and weaknesses. So I think that helps with my passing. Like, I'm not going to put them in a bad spot. You know, like I always pass it to them in their spots where they're going to be successful. That I think is huge. I think another thing is my playmaking and like my aggressive level. 
I think I'm so aggressive uh, downhill that people have to react. And then I see the court so well that I just make the right pass. And then I trust my guys to make the plays after that. So I think it's that seeing the court and then also trusting in your teammates to make the next right play for the team is another thing. And then thirdly, I would say just a willingness to be, uh, you know, unselfish, you know, I'd rather, you know, cross somebody and throw alley-oop and chest bump my teammate than me, you know, cross somebody and shoot the three and score. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like my unselfishness level and my human nature to want to see other people happy, I guess you could, you could say. So I think it's all a combination of a lot of things, but I think somehow my life is, you know, destined to be, you know, a passing point guard, <laughs> you know? So I love yeah. that. Have you always been like that? Tell me about basketball when you were a kid. When did you really fall in love with it? When did you get serious with the game? At an early age, actually. My dad was a basketball player. So, uh, obviously, you know, as a as a little son, you know, I'm looking up to my dad. You know, I want to do everything he's doing, you know. So, he put a basketball hand at an early age, and I'm dunking on the little hoop, shooting from the little hoop as a little age. And then I think I started playing on a team when I was probably six or seven because my dad worked at a rec center. So, I was able to play on the teams to go to work with him and just play on all the different teams um, at the rec center. So I started probably six or seven. And then from then on, it just kept getting more and more serious. And I think seventh, eighth grade year is when it really, like I dialed in and stopped playing all the other sports and everything. So I think around age 13, 14, it really got serious for me. What was your dad's role in this? You know, I have so many parents, so many friends that come up to me and say, should I be hard on my kids? Should I step back and let it do it by themselves? And what I found is pretty much every basketball player that comes through our doors has a different story. Some parents aren't in the picture at all. Some mm-hmm. people are working them out at 6 a.m. Some parents are somewhere in between. How did your dad handle being a basketball player, having a son like you? I think he did a tremendous job, you know, looking back on it. Um, being an adult now and looking back on what the job he did, you know, as a father figure, uh, I think he did a tremendous job and I wouldn't you know change what he did and how he coached me in any way um as his kid it, it was tough though like in the moment because we're so you know me you know how passionate I am about the game and uh sometimes in the heat of the moment like you never know you know what I mean so and my dad is, is similar he's very similar and he was my coach he actually started uh his AAU program around me so in fourth grade he started a team called the Colorado Miners and it was just a team based around me and then now, 10, 11 years later, it's the biggest club in Colorado. Um, he has girls teams. He has every age group. So, like, it just – his his vision, you know, just grew. And I think through me, um, it, it was big time. So, he started a team through me, fourth grade. We played. We'd obviously work out. He'd push me. You know what I mean? And I was super-duper – as you can tell, I'm, I'm super-duper, like, a, my emotions are always on my shoulders, you know? So, I'm very emotional. I'm very uh, real. I'm very in-the-moment type, you know? So – we would get into it a lot. And uh, in those days, you know, I'm just going to break down and cry. You know what I mean? Now I can verbally have a conversation with you. But back then, like, I'm, this is too much for me. I'm just going to cry. You know what I mean? So I think I literally uh, probably didn't cry in a basketball game until I was in eighth grade. <laughs> Honestly. But I was so hard on myself and wanting to, to please him. And I feel like I was letting him down. You know what I mean? Um Cause I wanted to be like him and do right by him and my mom, you know? So, um, he was super duper hard on me, but I think it was, he kind of eased off when he knew that my passion, my drive was taking over kind of, you know, 
he didn't feel like he needed to push me as much as I got older because I was pushing myself. And, uh, you know, thankfully, like as I got older to like the eighth grade in high school um, age, I had some friends who were also super passionate about the game. You know, so I, so I surrounded myself with people who are as hungry as I was, if not even more, you know. So those guys, we were in the gym, you know, early mornings, um, late nights, like the crew I was around was doing the right things. You know what I mean? So my life is like, like people around me, I've been protected. Like they've been pushing me and I've been guided in the right, in the right way. So it was tough. We had to put in a rule actually that after a game, me and my dad couldn't talk about basketball for 24 hours. Once we both calmed down and let everything cool off, then we could have a conversation. But in the moment, like he knew he would just, I would just tear up and then we wouldn't get anything out of that. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, he, uh, he has a significant role in who I am and my basketball career. And if you ask him, he still thinks he could beat me to this day, but that's not true. So that's not true. <laughs> well, I got to meet him a couple of times and he's, he's a in shape guy. Matter of fact, one of my favorite memories is, you know, being a dad in, being able to see your dad working you out while you were a GU athlete. I walked in the gym one day and he was taking you through drills and like, he was your trainer. Yeah. Just, you know, like, of course I have these visions of like, man, one day I'll be doing that with Carter. And so um, exactly. I love that he's still, you know, it's making such a big impact in your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he also just got to, he's a head coach out here in Colorado now. So he's a uh, head coach at Columbine high school now. So he's, uh, he's loving it, man. He's, He's impacting kids' lives every day, man. And that's what he he gets out of life. So man, I, I'm glad he's happy. Now, were you a passing point guard back then? Was that something your dad helped you out with? Or did that kind of come on you, you know, as you got later on in your high school career? No, I actually wasn't. I was actually one of the kids who probably shot the ball every single time I touched it growing up. And I was my teammates growing up probably are confused to who I am now compared to who I was back in the day, you know? Uh, <laughs> Before I went to Huntington Prep, my senior year of high school, I think I led Colorado in scoring and assists my junior year of high school. And then when I went to Huntington Prep, it was the first time that at Huntington Prep I played with, uh, so it was me at the point guard, uh, which was Gonzaga. It was uh, Jaquan Lyle at the two, which was uh, Louisville, Ohio State. So he was a five-star recruit as well. Uh, We had Jalen Lindsey. He was a four-star recruit. We had Miles Bridges was a six man. We had Thomas Bryant. So we had like Monte Gil Caesar. We had a lot of big time athletes on that team. You know what I mean? So I think that was the first time I stepped into a place where I didn't have to shoot the ball every single time. And that coach there, his name was Rob Fulford. I think he was the, I gave him a lot of credit for making the leader I am today. Like I think before, like I was the leader because I was the best player on the court and I was the tallest, most physical, like, you know what I mean? Like most vocal. So I think my leadership role just came without me understanding why. Like, I was the leader because I had no choice but to be, you know. But I think when I got to prep, like I'm with other, you know, highly touted, you know, athletes, I didn't have to shoot. So I think I had to figure out how I could be relevant on the court, how I could make my impact on the team. You know what I mean? If I don't need to shoot the ball every play, then what do I do for the team? You know, so. That's when I think my aggressive level, I was like, oh, if I'm this aggressive, then I see this. Like, I see that, but I understand why he's doing that, so I'll do this. And then being so vocal, just pointing them guys, and that's when I figured out, I'm like, oh, I need to understand why he's doing this, why he's doing that. And then I think my understanding of the game 
just started becoming like, oh my gosh, like this is really a game. Like if you master this, like you can figure it out. You know what I mean? So, and it, it helped. I had sort of like, I was in a sling going into my senior year of high school. So I got to sit back and watch. And I think whenever people are hurt, and if you just sit back and just really watch the game, you really learn so much being so close to it. And I think that helped. And I think my, I went from averaging like 27, 28 my junior year to like nine points my senior year, just, just because I was a leader and I was a facilitator and I was the, the person that made everything go. But I was doing things that impacted the stat sheet, which doesn't really matter, honestly. God, you said so many you know? things so, that I think we all need to hear. I need to hear. I love how you talked about knowing your players to be a better passer. And then you talked about knowing your players or your teammates to be a better leader. And that's not something most people think about. I remember the first time I ever heard uh, KYP, know, know your personnel. Coach Few would always say that. KYP, I'd make a pass to someone, they drop it, and I'd be blaming it on them because they dropped the pass. And he'd say, KYP, like you got to understand yeah, yeah. And, and, and put people in positions for success. So tell me about some of those lessons that you learned. What's your thought process on being a leader? Why it's so important to know your teammates? It's crazy you said the, the KYP thing because uh, my dad, honestly, growing up, I would throw passes and it would like, I was the kind of guy who'd like throw a pass like, hey, bro, catch the ball. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And then my dad would be like, NYP. But then, like, as we got on, I'm like, hey, dad, you know, like, no starts with a K, right? Like, it's not NYP, it's KYP. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's funny you brought that up. That's why when Coach Few said it, I was like, man, that's funny. But yeah, I think just him saying that at an early age just made me realize, like, like, that's my mistake for putting you in that position. I could have done something else to avoid that for you. You know what I mean? So, and I'm like, we're obviously talking about basketball, but I think who I am off the court makes basketball so much easier for me. You know what I mean? So, I think the relationship I have with my teammates off the court makes it easy for us to play and, and play off each other. You know what I mean? Because we, we like each other, we vibe with each other. So, I want to see you succeed as much as I want to see myself succeed. And I feel like every teammate of mine at GU, we can say that about each other. And I think that's why the cohesion, that's why we clicked every year, every single year. It was just because we we really loved each other, you know, and I think that's huge that people don't really pay attention to. So that, knowing their strengths on the court, like where you want the ball, like where, how fast you get it up, how high you can go grab the rebound, how high you can go catch out of you, just all the little stuff, man. I'm, I'm aware of all that stuff. Like, and thankfully, the big man I had, man, I could throw the ball anywhere and they would go get it. So, Shout out to them. Shout out to BC, Rui, and all them. You know, and yeah, man, I really didn't think about it. I have really the best big man ever. Every The five years I was there, I had the best big man in the country every single time. Like, wow. Wow. So why wouldn't I be the assist leader? Like, man, it's, it's there. It's, it, it was them. It was them. It was them. <laughs> I love that attitude. But yeah, man, I think I was rambling. What was the question, Mike? My bad. My guy. <laughs> I love that attitude. I want to go back to the injury part, too. I mean, so many of these stories that you're telling kind of reinforce a lot of the lessons that I've learned in my career and that I want to be able to pass along to the young players that are kind of making their way through. And one of the most significant impactful things that ever happened to me was tearing my Achilles. And mm. it was the most positive impactful thing. A lot of people think about injuries and all the bad things that come out of it. And you hurt your shoulder. It's in a sling. And you mentioned that was one of the most impactful things for you being able to understand the game and be able to improve your passing. So when did you learn that when, when you first got injured, 
were you down like a normal person? At what point did you say, hey, this is actually something that I'm going to turn into a positive? So the crazy thing is, it's like I've always been a super optimistic person. So despite when I was in the sling, like I was still like I transferred to from Colorado to West Virginia at the time. And that's like obviously big jump went from the city to the country, obviously, and then going with no family. I moved in with the host family that like I'm still in touch with to this day. Like that's weird. And like that would probably infect, affect some people. But like I was so positive about the situation, you know what I mean, that it didn't affect me. And then I'm also in a sling. But I was obviously still optimistic. Like I was still like enjoying myself. Like I wasn't, didn't feel sorry for myself. I didn't feel like I missed a beat on anything. It was just itching to be around the game. You know what I mean? So like, obviously I was at, at practice just over there, just watching like, man, like I want to be out there so bad. And it was killing me that I wasn't out there. So like, I was like, well, then how can I grow myself? How can I grow my game from being here without physically being able to do anything? You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, let me just start paying attention to player tendencies. Let me start paying attention to everything, the way people move their feet, just just little stuff that people don't really pay attention to. I just started really toning into. I was like, I'm here and I can't do anything for months. So why would I sit here and just waste my time? You know what I mean? You mentioned a few key things to being a good passer. One of the things I've noticed that you've done and a lot of great passers that have come through our program is the way they use their eyes. Is that something that you were taught? Is that something that you think about? Or does it come naturally? So it came naturally back in the day. And that's why I think like as I grow, I start to understand why I do the things I do and why they're effective. But I think always that I just kind of just did stuff and it worked. But now I'm figuring out why it works, you know. And yeah, the eyes. I think people respect my scoring ability, my shooting ability and my passing ability so much that like my eyes do a lot. You know what I mean? If I if I look over here, you're automatically going to react because you know I'm making that pass. You know what I mean? And if I look at the hoop, then you're like, oh, my God, he can shoot. So then I got to do something else. You know what I mean? So it's just, I think just me just perfecting my craft over the years and being effective at every level that my eyes play such a huge like role in my success in my game. One thing that Matt Santangelo does a phenomenal job being his teammate, he would talk to me with his eyes. He would see stuff that I wouldn't see. So mm -hmm. my guy would be maybe overplaying and he would kind of give me these big looks or he shift his eyes to the side. And it took me so long to realize that he's telling me cut back door. He's telling me to make this move. Are you talking to your teammates with your eyes as well? Yeah. Eyes and verbally. Like, like I said, the relationship I have with my teammates, we could like sort of talk in code around people and they wouldn't know what we we're talking about, but we would know exactly what was going on. You know what I mean? Like so stuff like that. And then yeah, like the eyes. I'm like you said, the big eyes, it's like, hey man, there's a oop right there or you're wide open. Like, you know what I mean? That's all the big men if I do that, it's like, oh my gosh, like, look out, the ball's coming at any time. You know what I mean? But I think for me, my teammates count on if I didn't look at them, the ball was coming to them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like the opposite of where Josh is looking, the ball is coming. So, yeah, I guess it was the eyes. The eyes did a lot for me. And you can't do that if you can't have a feel for the ball and where the ball is going. So, like, that's what I hope kids, like, when you dribble and work out, you know, keep your eyes up and try and look around and be aware of everything, but know where the ball is. Because eyes are huge in the game of basketball. They're huge, man. They're huge. 
Are you actively trying to trick people on the court? Is that something that you're excited about doing? Or is it even something you think about? And the reason I mention it is we have our two point guards on our women's basketball team. They're twins. And they are so uh-huh. fun to watch because they are always looking people off. I just watched them practice this week. And she has uh, the big kind of trailing down the lane. She looks at the big for a second and then turns away and just gently just drops this bounce pass. And so, of course, the next day at Waze, that was beautiful. And she's like, oh, I love it, man. I love to trick people. And I never heard anyone say that. Is Do you love tricking people? Yeah. I mean, I love I love it, man. It's, it's just something you get a thrill out of it that you can't really explain. But it's just like, yeah, I got you type deal. You know what I mean? But I love it, man. And as you're telling me that the past, I literally had a, a picture of what, what happened live, man. So I, I wish I was there to see it. It sounds like a dime, man. I wish I, you know. But yeah, I love it. That and with the passing and even with the ball, dribbling people, crossing people, man, I get a thrill out of that too. So I don't know. I think I'm just an entertainer, man. I think just giving the crowd something, giving the people to watch something to ooh and ah or be happy they like they were there to witness something. Like I think that's kind of what I live for. Kind of. <laughs> Who is the best passer you've ever played with or played against? Big J. Big J, man. Uh, he's getting up there in, in, in the numbers, but at the at the pickups he did, and all he's making some passes, didn't understand. I'm talking about full court, like I'm laying in the bread basket for you. You don't even have to stop, like like John Elway, Tom Brady type basketball passes, full court. You know what I mean? Chest passes, those. So Big J man and David is right there. And I've been I played with a lot of tremendous passers, but uh, I think the Stockton's are sticking out um, first first hand. Yeah. And then a couple guys I put against, Josh Jack can really pass the basketball. There's a lot, man. And you guys I just watched, there's a lot of people who could really pass. Uh, Tia Dosic, because I've been in Europe last year, so I've been watching a lot of European people. Tia Dosic, uh, Nick Kalethes, those guys can really – Kev Pangos, those guys can really pass the basketball. Like, they can – tremendous gold. They get gold badges for passing, for sure. <laughs> How much film are you watching, you know, as, as far as when you're watching games – are you watching it as a fan or are you studying and learning? You know, we know at GU, they prep you so well. I mean, you're watching a ton of film there. Even after college, is that something that's part of your, you know, weekly or monthly ritual? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even uh, for, for my sake, obviously, you know, after you play, the coaches you know, dissect their film. But I would always go and watch the game right after for myself to know, to see what I expect the coach to say or what I think he's going to say and then go through the coach's part, hear it. And then I watch it a third time to see mine, his, and put it all in, all in together, you know? So do that. And then obviously with the games that are coming on now, like it's obviously it's hard not to be a fan and it's hard not to, you know, be an ooh and on ah NBA finals and sit there with your boys and your peoples and, just enjoy the moment, but it's, it's it's also hard for me not to look at it. Like, oh my gosh, he's open! Like, throw the lob, he's there! Like, you know, like I see stuff on the court, and I'm like, oh man, do that, do that. So it's it's hard to turn you know your student hat off, and then when you when you're really in love with basketball, you know. Or those athletes that want to be better passers, are there things that you work on by yourself? Are there drills that you do like one on o passing, passing into a wall, or passing into a net, or anything? Or has your passing come from? just playing five on five and trying stuff out? Yeah, I wouldn't say, to be honest, I don't, 
like obviously like I'll just work on a little bit, just getting it there. Wanna know, just have like a course stand in the corner and I'll just or if I'm shooting my boys, I always just work on different passes to get it there. You know what I mean? Like I'll throw behind the back pass, like like I'm not just gonna throw the regular chest pass every time. Like I'm throwing behind the backs, I'm throwing, like I'm working on my as like we're shooting and we're repping it out. Like I'm also in the meantime throwing stuff, you know what I mean? Just cause. Um, so I think I get my reps on that. But honestly, yeah, I think it's just trying things five on five, seeing what works and what doesn't work. Like, I'm not afraid to turn the ball over. People always got on me to turn the ball over. It's like, I don't care. Like, I care about the possession, but, like, I will throw something. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy would literally throw anything. So that turnover really probably got me three extra assists because they're like, oh, this guy would do anything. You know what I mean? So trying things and not being able to, like, not being scared to fail, I guess, or turn the ball over did me huge but then I had to figure out because I always did that but I had to figure out time and place and when it was acceptable like when to try things and when not to but early age I'm just three three turnovers in a row it's like Josh what are you doing it's like I don't know I thought he was open but now it's like oh, I probably should just you know milk the clock a little bit get a good shot we need a good shot in this possession so just my understanding of the game time and place and but yeah I'm not I'll throw a crazy pass probably every game every game just because like I'm just going to keep you on your heels. Like, Pat Mahomes, like, I'm just going to throw it 65 yards down the down the field. Now you guys go back. Now everything else is open. You know what I mean? So it's just like I'm playing with your head a little bit kind of out there. Every single time I'm playing with your head. <laughs> I love it. For all those high school players that are listening, that see you, the all-time leader and assist at GU, what kind of advice do you have for them as they kind of go along on their high school journey? Just to live and learn every day. You know what I mean? Everything's not going to always go according to your plan or – according to what you necessarily want. But, I mean, it's happening for a reason. And uh, just keep going. You know, stay positive, stay optimistic. And uh, if you really want it, it'll happen for you. Just put the work in, put the time in, and really just be a good person at the end of the day. And you give good energy out there, and you'll receive good energy. So just be good people and do the right thing. Have fun, man. Enjoy life. Chase happiness, man. Chase happiness, for real. Well, I love that. And knowing the way, knowing you the way I do, I think you do a great job of living those principles. Finally, tell me what legacy you want to leave. What impact do you want to have on the game when it's all said and done? I just want to be a guy who inspires others. You know what I mean? I want to be somebody who I was, I've always said in interviews, I want to be somebody who uses like my social status to you know, change the world towards positivity. I'm going to do what I do on the court because I'm good at it, but really uh, I want to change people's lives and, you know, and really make them enjoy themselves and, and be happy in, in this world. And I think just as I progress in my career um, athletically, I think that I also get more opportunities to, to do that. You know what I mean? Whereas community service, it was doing basketball camps, where it was come back to Spokane, just chopping up my peeps, like, just being around people and, 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 and promoting that positivity and and making them want to enjoy life and, and be happy, man. That's what really my impact is. And uh, my legacy will always always be there, you know, athletically. But I want my legacy to be uh, a person who changes the world for the greater good, man, honestly. Well, once again, I think you're already doing that at GU. It's so fun. When I see that at Hoop Fest, you are like, you know, Jesus walking through the streets, all the kids come through and you're like <laughs> hugging them and you're picking up Stella Santangelo and putting them on the shoulder. Exactly. 
I just love to see your love for kids. And I'm sure it's, it's um, pure in terms of, I'm sure you really enjoy it, but I also think you know how much it impacts them. And so it's, you're like the first person, Hey, let, let's take a picture. Let's yeah. Let me, let me sign that ball for you. Um, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are with your time. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's that man. And it's probably, I'm, probably a little kid at heart still man like <laughs> i watch all the little kid movies that come out man so if y'all ever need an uncle to take the kids to the movies or something man, i got i love the movies lego movies lit record ralph all those man i watch all those b movie and those are my favorite favorite little movies um but yeah man i love killing shout out stella shout out parker you know it's my girl parker parker michaelson man cole those are my peeps man carter everybody man i love all y'all kids man it's a it's honestly a family atmosphere at GU and it feels like home and I feel like it always will be. So I always make my little cameo, man. You know, I'll be in there. <laughs> I love it. And you made your first cameo on the Hoop Commitment podcast. Let's go. Exactly, man. Exactly. Shout out Hoop Commitment, man. <laughs> All right. So I love thank it. you so much for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Instagram is just Josh Perkins. Um, Twitter, same thing. So if y'all want to find me on social media, hit me there. Snapchat's also, I think Snapchat's JoshyP03. So y'all hit me up, man. Um, any questions? And then obviously, you know, we post the, the, the podcast. I'll repost it. So everywhere, man. If y'all want to listen to it, yeah, you can, man. It's everywhere. We'll get it to you. <laughs> now that's a wrap on episode 94. And I hope you'll join me next week where I get to interview Jim Aaron's a world champion boxing trainer who also trains NBA players like Damian Lillard. He was kind enough to speak to our GU women's team about mental toughness and building the fighter's mindset. And I loved his passion for greatness. I have my own personal experience with a summer training for kickboxing and submission fighting. And I thought it helped my confidence and athleticism on the court. So if you want to see how cross training can help your game, you won't want to miss this episode. And all of you who are committed will earn your X.